Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. And we're back. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Hello, everybody. Here we are. Here we are. We have a special guest with us here this morning in the podcast room, Mr. Alan Baum. How are you? Hey, I'm good. The man man who always has a smile, as my wife says. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Just joyfully breezing through life. You don't have a care in the world, do you? Not a care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, before we get started, Alan, we want to talk to you um, about the subject matter from this past Sunday. But before we get into that, we had a question that was sent in by our friend Danielle. And uh, she said this in reference to the sermon on singleness from a couple weeks back. I heard the sermon on 1 Peter. Singleness can be a gift. Jesus and Paul were single with a purpose. This all makes sense to me. But it got me thinking about in Genesis 2, the first time God said something wasn't good was when he said man was alone and that that wasn't good. And he didn't just make Adam a friend. He made him a woman to be with him and to become one flesh. And a couple weeks back in the sermon notes, it said, quote, God's original plan was the one that was that one man and one woman would be one flesh for one lifetime. That's a Warren Wearsby quote. And she said, it occurred to me that these two things didn't have to contradict each other, that the God who created the entire universe could have more than one plan. I just thought it would be interesting to hear more about how those statements interact with one another. Great question. Man, that, Danielle, that's awesome. Jason, what are your thoughts on that? It's a good question yeah. because she's thinking critically, A, and B, she's referencing other passages of Scripture. And mm-hmm. so I would love to dissect and go, this is how we learn. She's saying, I'm learning A from this passage of Scripture, <clears throat> but I know B from this passage of Scripture. And so one of the key things about that is, um, number one, singleness doesn't mean you're alone, okay? Mm, yeah. So the the key in this is the def- the Warren Wearsby definition was for marriage. Yeah. One man, one woman, one lifetime. That's in the context of marriage. Um, in Genesis 2, what she's referencing, they were ma- made in the image and likeness of God, is about what theologians would call the imago Dei, the, yeah. the image of God in man. The reason why it was not good for man to be alone is because man was made in the image of God to reflect God. Our God is one God, but three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So our God lives in a community. Yeah. So before there was anything, there was a relationship. There was love. When Adam is alone, it's not good because Adam can't reflect God. So God, it says, makes a helper yeah. fit for him. Now, what's key about this is now we're getting into more what is the basis of marriage? Yeah. So before marriage is about um, sex or procreation or anything, it's about companionship. Yeah. So to tie all of this up, those two ideas of um, the sentence that I said was the lie that the church often preaches is if you're single, you can't experience the fullness of the Christian life, mm. which is wrong. Yeah. Jesus was single. Paul was single. But the way that those two ideas coincide is singleness doesn't mean aloneness. 
So you can still be single, but living in community. Yeah. And the basis of marriage with you and your spouse is first and foremost companionship. Yeah. It's friendship. A ton of marriage books and a lot of stuff miss this concept. So before it's intimacy, before it's one flesh, before it's all of that, it is companionship. So those two ideas live together that... It was not good for Adam to be alone because he was not in community. He could not reflect. He didn't have a companion. So God made a companion that was fit for him. So if you're single, you're not alone. But if you're single, you can still live in community and reflect the image of God. Yeah, yeah, man. That's awesome. Danielle, thanks for sending in that question. Great question. question. If anybody has any questions about anything, uh, how to do your taxes or any of that, just send that (laughs) in to info at westsidepb.org. We'd love to answer any of your questions about previous Sunday sermons or anything outside of the context of a sermon series that we are in the midst of. So thanks for sending that in. You can send your questions in as well, again, at info at westsidepb.org. 1 Peter chapter 3. Yesterday was Sunday. Yes, it was. We're recording on Monday, but you'll hear this on Wednesday. We talked about husbands. Yeah, we did. We talked about husbands. I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, and Alan... Hello. We are going to be hearing from you and hearing your experience. Like one of the things that we didn't want to do is bring in like a 21-year-old guy who's been married for like 6 months and talk about marriage. <laughs> like like we want some wisdom and some perspective and so we are glad that you agreed to come and and hang out with us. To today. let the people yeah. know Alan also serves as a board member there yeah. at Westside as well. So it's good stuff, man. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. we'll be here. Yeah. Thanks for being here. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Likewise, husbands Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Thanks be to God for his word. Alan, thanks again for coming, man. We're super glad to have you. Uh, the big idea from this past sermon on Sunday was God, hold, God holds husbands responsible for the home. How do you feel when you hear that? <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, right? But uh, I don't know. I, as I uh, think about it more and more, I—I uh, I mean, I've always kind of dealt with that responsibility, even yeah. though I didn't really realize I was doing it. But I mean, it is a lot of pressure to think about, like you know, God yeah. holding you, you know, responsible. But that's—I I like how Jason phrased the thing. That's not so much, uh, you know, you got to do this, and, and I'm going to blame you if you don't get it done. So much as uh, you know, trying to encourage you in your position. Yeah, responsibility right. versus fault. Yeah. Right. I exactly. think when men hear responsibility, they think God holds you because it's your fault. Yeah. And yeah, Alan, tell me about your home growing up. Your your mom and dad. What kind of marriages, husbands? Did you grow up with like an example of a godly husband growing up? No, I um. Actually, I, if I envy anything, that's I envy that people that are growing up in a godly home. Yeah. But yeah, my parents were, uh, my dad was an alcoholic and uh, my mom was, uh, she didn't know the Lord. Yeah. Now she did, after when I was about 13, she became a Christian and she actually became a missionary. Wow, that's wow. so cool. But at the time uh, when I was growing up, they were, it was a disaster. They divorced when I was about 13. Yeah, where did wow. she become a missionary to? Uh, she went to uh, France and to Belgium. Wow, oh, man. And you were 13 when that happened. When she was saved, yeah. yeah she, what, uh, kind of, what kind of transition and change was that? Yeah. Well, I wasn't, by that time, I was, uh, she was like, and like everybody, when you start becoming a Christian, it takes a while yeah, to, yeah, know, yeah. To, to develop and yeah. become sanctified. But 
I mean, I was a, already a wild kid, so yeah, I didn't sure. pay much attention to what's yeah. going on, you know? Sure. Man. So. Well, tell us a little bit about how that transition shifted into you. Like, I, I want I want the people listening to this. Um, yes, you serve on our board, but I also want them to know you on a more personal mm-hmm. level. Like, one of the things that we've asked a lot of the guests recently is, tell us how the Lord saved you. Yeah. How did God save you? Well, I uh, I was actually thinking about that because Jason wants us to be able to tell our testimony. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I, I was thinking about was I think I became actually became a Christian at 22. Yeah. Or so, right. but I wasn't very dedicated. I was like half-hearted Christian. You know? Sure. And then about 30, I started like just chasing the world, the things of the world, and all. Yeah. yeah. Started drinking a lot and uh, got seriously in the drinking where I couldn't stop. You know? Yeah. But what wow. was weird was I was seeking repentance at the same time. Yeah. Mm. So I'd be listening to Christian music, drinking. And almost weeping because I couldn't repent. Wow. Yeah. And uh, powerful, man. So anyhow, I finally got a DUI to my shame. Yeah. And uh, it was Lord. just in jail, That's the Lord, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. Putting, I was in my hands were in my head was in my hands, and I'm just repenting. Just, yeah. And I gave it all the Lord. Said I surrender, man. Wow. And, uh, yeah. It's Psalm. Uh, what's it? Thirty uh, four. Where it says, uh, you know, he's near the brokenhearted and saves a crushed in spirit. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I was done. Yeah, man. What was the surrender like? Tell me. um, I mean, I know that you had a loving wife that was probably praying for you during that time. Yeah. When when you say that that the surrender happened, um, you know, one of the things I talk to guys a lot, and maybe it's the same story. Maybe they're addicted or, you know, whatever. And one of the things they'll say a lot is like, I can't believe God's doing this to me. (laughs) And I'm like, bro, you you injected heroin into your arm. What do you mean? God's not, you know, like if anything, God has spared your life up to this point, but God disciplines those whom he loves. So those consequences that got brought down on you were God's effectual love for you. But what did that surrender look like for you in your life? What were you surrendering over? Walk us through that. Well, I know like the one thing you're talking about, like blaming God for it. I was, wasn't doing that. I was, uh, actually if they'd have led me out to execute me, I'd have been like, you're exactly right. Well, yeah, I deserve it. You know, sure. And, uh, so um, Vicky was watching me swirl down the drain kind of, and she had been wringing her hands for a long time. And she finally just gave me up and said, hey, you know, started praying. So Lord, you just do whatever you got to do to bring him back. You know? Wow. Mm. And uh, so it was a crazy time. But I mean, when I got out of jail and uh, started uh, trying to, you know, made confession right away, called my boss, told me, look, here's what happened. You sure. Know? And I was like, but, and they were good about it. And uh, anyhow, I started trying to get back to normal, and then I had a heart attack about a month later. Oh, my wow. goodness. And the Lord just, uh, like, just I think he was just laying me out and destroying just anything <laughs> that yes. give me, uh, wow. you know, like pride or anything was just gone, you know? Wow. And uh, I, I swear, I, I was like, I'll never smile again kind of thought, you know? And here you are but, smiling every day, man. Yeah. me back up. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now I'm like, uh, I'm like the psalm, one of my verses is a psalm, uh, at 52, I think, where it says, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. That's how I feel now. Evergreen, Amen. man. That's good, That's Alan. so great. That's so great. Well, tell us a little bit about your history, your journey through love and marriage. Tell us about your, your marriage journey, how long you've been married, how you and Vicki met. Tell us, all, tell us about all of that. Well, we met when we were teens. Uh, we Let's met in go. church. You know? Nice. So we were going to church as, uh, you know, because that's what everybody did. Yep. And, uh, but we met each other, fell in love as teens. I mean, you had a lot of ups and downs, you know? Yeah. We got married when I was, uh, 22. Yeah. Had a son at 23, which was nice. You know, we were really happy. Sure. And everything was going good. Where were you guys at at the time? Where was down home? Miami. Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Miami right then. And then we moved down to Homesteads a little bit south. Okay. And, um, We've been married now 39 years. Awesome. How many kids? Three kids. Cool, man. Yeah. But they're spread all over the 
country right now. Yeah, so right. <laughs> I got one in Florida, one in Chicago, and one in Maryland. Okay. That's incredible, man. That's incredible. So so we heard a little bit about your home growing up, but I'd love to hear about some of the repercussions and maybe some of the things that you either drew from that or ran from with the experience that you had with your dad and then with your mom and her transition to yeah. to the faith and all of that. How did that impact you on your journey into marriage as a husband and as a man? Um, it's weird. I, I don't think they had much influence in that sense. I mean, as maybe as my dad, because I was really uh, closed off, you know, I was yeah. walled out and all. And um, even when we talk about prayer, that was a hard thing for me, praying with Vicky. It still is. Sure. You know, but I make, uh, you know, I can do it now. But I mean, it took a lot of effort to be able to pray because I just didn't want to open myself up. Yeah, and, man. And that's, I think that's all from the childhood thing of how we were raised with the parents, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so not your dad. What was that? That was a really weird noise that <laughs> came know. out of my mouth. Oh, was no it? Idea. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, so was there anyone in your life? I'm interested in the answer to this question because I think I know the answer because of how pervasive it is. But was there anyone in your life who modeled or showed for you how to be a godly man, how to love Christ um, as a man? Not really. I mm. don't think so. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's very difficult because it's all my whole Christian walk has been just kind of trying to make it work, you know? Sure. Yeah. And as, and as I read the Bible, I say, okay, we need to give money. We need to, you know, be generous. We need to do this, yeah. be kind. Yeah. All those things, you know, which partly is my nature, but at the same time, you know, you can um, try to develop it more and more as you're walking with the Lord, you know? Yeah. But it was, I had no examples. Right. I right. think the key of the sentence was like, it was a godly. All men have an example, and and most of them, it's the example of what not to do. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. the absence or yeah. the presence, you know, and even sometimes the absence is a greater presence. But anyway, but yeah, the key is the godly example, and that is a rarity, man. It's yeah. a rarity. Yeah, it is hundred percent. Well, we have Jason unpacked for us a little bit like two malfunctions of manhood. We can either lean on the passive side or the aggressive side. Or some of us are really special, and we can marry those together. Yeah, passive aggressive. <laughs> which, when you heard those on Sunday, which of the two of those did you gravitate towards? Like, I, I wonder, do you did you find yourself more passive, or do you struggle more with the aggressive side? I'm more passive, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never really been aggressive as far as like, uh, yeah, this is the way we're going to do things, and yeah, you know, sure, step in line or else. Can but, you, can you pick like a concrete example, like maybe a moment or a memory where you remember um, the temptation to to step into that passivity? To step into it, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, or we moved where you up did here. It. Like, yeah. I mean, when we uh, when we're buying houses and cars and things like that, you know, I'd always kind of. Uh, I'd check to make sure she was good with it, you know. Before. Yeah. I never wanted to really do anything without Vicky being, like, in, at least uh, wanting to do somewhat the same thing, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know we also talked about the difference between time. Like, spending time with our wife was, like, one of the one of the first ways that we could be a godly husband or a godly man to our family, and it's to spend time with our wife. Right there at the beginning of verse 7a, it says, Husbands, live with your wives to spend time. And Jason, you use this illustration between that I always love when you use it, the the difference between a microwave and a crock pot. Yeah. Um, a microwave is more of like fast paced, like, hey, I've provided, I've I've given, you know, I've said hello to you. I've told you I, I told you I loved you when we got married. <laughs> like right. I don't need to tell you anymore. Right. And the crock pot version is more on the other side of like 
curating and cultivating. You're putting time and energy into something that is going to steep for a long time. So I wonder what that looks like for you. Like we all experience either side of that. What's maybe a time, like where are you tempted to kind of live in that fast-paced microwave, microwavable meal with your wife versus the crock pot? Yeah, I think definitely when you're younger. I mean, when I was early married, I mean, I have I, you got six minutes and thirty two seconds go, kind of thing, <laughs> right? As I tell her, you know. Yeah. But uh, as you get older, especially now that our kids are grown and all that, I'm able to really yeah. uh, spend time with her and and uh, you know be really more concerned with how she's thinking than I used to ever be. You know. What, what is, are yeah? What yeah. does that look like? What are those What do those times look like when you guys spend time together? Well, sometimes she says something and it surprised me. She says it'll come from the left. And I'm like, how did you even think that? You know. But <laughs> it's just the difference, I guess, of guys and women. You know. But yeah. She. Uh, I'm trying to think of any particular example. I can't really think of what do you something. guys do for fun? What's something yeah. that Vicky enjoys doing that you know, like, oh, I, we could, let's go do this, babe. She likes to go to the consignment stores and she yeah. likes to yeah. do stuff like that. Little so, antiquing. Yeah, yeah. She, she loves that. <laughs> That's cool, man. She's always trying to get me to go. Oh, yeah. Honey. What's inside you when you go? <laughs> I don't mind, but I'm yeah. like, most of the time I get there and it's all junk. I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> I Good love for it. you. I love it. Good for you, man. That's super. Well, tell tell us about your wife, man. Tell us about Vicky. Tell what? us tell us about stuff you love about her and all that. Yeah, she's a good. She's got a good heart. She's um, her thing. I think would as I was looking at your questions and thinking about it, her uh, strong point I think is she's real loyal. You know, she. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd have kicked myself to the curb a dozen times during our marriage yeah. at least. Yeah. And she sticks it out, man. She's and we've been through thick and thin. We've had all the heart attacks. She had a brain aneurysm. Wow. So she was in the ICU for about a month. How long ago was that? That was in uh, 2012. Okay. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. And what was that season like? That was crazy. It was uh, right with that day of the Haitian earthquake. And oh, that wow. night she started sweating. And next thing you know, man, she was in, uh, in the hospital. It was like They thought it was a stroke and then it was a brain aneurysm. Wow. Did she have to have brain surgery to yeah. get it removed? Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah, her eye was swollen like crazy. I never knew this. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. But she lived through it. It was amazing. They said hardly anybody ever does. So what, it was a non-cancerous tumor or anything? No, just a, a brain wow. vessel burst. Yeah. Wow. It started bleeding. Wow. So Man. that was crazy. Yeah. But, uh, night. you know, we've, we've been through the gamut like that. But, you know, she's... Uh, She's real loyal and she's great with our kids. She was really a good mom. And, yeah. And, you know, it's beautiful. Man. Well, she, she comes up to us frequently on Sundays after service and gives us big hugs and tells us that she loves us and you guys pray for us. And we are so grateful for you and Vicky, man. Amen. So, so great. Well, the second point that we walked through of Marks of a Godly Husband is to study your wife. Verse 7b, uh, the second half of verse 7, it says to live with your wives in an understanding way. And Pastor Jason, you, you unpack the translations of according to knowledge. Yeah. Can you unpack like what that means? And then we can kind of move into like maybe the ways that, Alan, you've studied your wife over the years mm-hmm. and learned her. Yeah, for sure. I think what it, I mean, what Peter is saying and what I love about it, and we said this Sunday, is the women get six verses, verses one through six. And Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives guys one verse, like straight to the point, every word matters. But when you break it down, it's not just spending time with your wife. This, with the second phrase, it would be spending a quality time with your wife. And the tense that it's written in, it means like 
keep keep on going or keep going as you gain knowledge. So basically it means not just spend time with your wife, but study your wife, get to know what she likes, and keep on studying your wife yeah. in an understanding way. Yeah. And I, I love that because I think it's so powerful because I don't think us as men think about the idea of continually studying your wife. Like, for example, here's a question, Alan. What are some things that you and Vicky like to do now or that Vicky likes now that she didn't like when you guys first got married? Is there anything that you guys do now that you didn't do when you first got married? I'm trying to think of something. I don't know. We, um, we've been pretty consistent, but, uh, you know, I mean, everything's like deep and like, I, you know, we've grown as far as like, you know, she doesn't even have to say anything anymore. And I kind of know where she's thinking. You know, we've been around <laughs> yeah, sure. each other so long. You know? Sure. But uh, I don't think she's changed a lot. She's she's still the same person she was. It's good, know? man. I mean, yeah. But I know a lot of people do, though. But Yeah, she, sure. Not, like for you know. Courtney and I, in the beginning of our marriage, she was not into flowers, that type of stuff. Lo- you know, th- those types of love language affirmations. And we yeah. brought that up as a resource. And through the years and three kids and moving and everything like that, things have changed. And so now, because our time is limited, when I do express those things that way, she values those things. But so her love language test literally has changed from today, from when we first got married, which is really interesting. Have you guys done the love language thing, Alan? No, I don't think so. We got to no? we got to actually do yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. All it's right. fun. Yeah. I, I did think when you were just talking about that. Like I I noticed one thing like and it's a, a silly thing but just I, she was uh doing the dishes one time and I came up behind her and just gave her a hug around her neck and all, you know. Yeah. And she was so happy about that. She was on cloud nine. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, yeah. you know, that it meant a lot to her. But there you things go. that she never used to know, you know, she would never have responded that much to it. She'd have been like, all right, you know, <laughs> yeah. see ya. Yeah. Now she's like, I don't yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. That's does she, huge. Does she yeah. respond well when you, uh, like if you were to come beside her and like do the dishes with her or would she have responded better with the hug? Probably with the hug. Yeah. yeah. She okay. About the dishes yeah. Physical much, touch. Yeah. Physical touch, man. Yeah, That's super that. awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I would, yeah, I, I, our, well, what are your love languages, Jason? Have you taken it recently? Um, it's been a little while, but it was um, um, gifts and I think words of affirmation. But I would say closely now, though, that um, acts of service would be pretty high up there yeah. for sure. So yeah, mine are uh, my, mine are words of affirmation scored very high on that, and then physical touch. So tell there me I'm go. great and give me a hug. There you go. <laughs> Those are the big things. Yeah, you guys should do that. Yeah, I I'd be very that, interested yeah. to hear um, where you guys line up on that. Absolutely. And it's very cool. We've taken that over the years and seen it change um, through seasons of life. It's really interesting. Really, really cool. Um, the, f- the third point that we got to was to honor your wife. So we've got to spend time with your wife in an understanding way, study your wife, and then honor your wife. And it says right there in the verse, showing honor, showing honor. And we have three broken down ways of, of ways that men could honor their wives, publicly with words, privately with time and attention, and frequently with loving acts of kindness. Alan, when you are engaging with your wife, like in public, is that like, is that something that you've ever thought about or that you actively do, like that you celebrate her in public? Or uh, like, I just want to unpack these three and see how a man who's been married for several decades showcases these in his marriage, both in public and in private. Yeah. What does it look like to, like, what does it look like to publicly honor Vicky with words? Well, I've never really thought about it too much until uh, I was like walking in into the church and I'm holding her hand and people yeah. are like, hey, you're still holding your wife's hand. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, but, cool. uh, I do try to encourage her, like when she's uh, serving and stuff, to make sure she knows that, you know, 
people appreciate her, you know. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back. I, I think that's a significant thing, what you just said. Yeah, man. You guys being married for as long as you have, and it stuck out to people to see you guys holding hands. Yeah. Because I would say that the longer you're married and the older you get, people my age don't see affection from older people who've been married for a long time because people joke and they use the joke to cover up a deep hurt, which is like, huh, huh, that goes away in the honeymoon or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And yeah. those people are just bitter. Okay. <laughs> you know, those people are yeah. sad and bitter, but yeah. that's incredible, man. It's a huge compliment yeah. to you guys I wonder, um, do to you, do that. Do you have an idea of how old the person was who said that to you guys? It was young. Uh, yeah. I think it was Caleb. Yeah. 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 There yeah. you go. Wow. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. So another way that you can honor is privately with time and attention. Do you feel like that is something like, tell us the journey. Cause like we talked about this on Sunday and ev- everybody's got 24 hours in a day. Men generally work hard, slave away all day, provide for the family and all of that. But time and attention are very different than resources and, and provision. And so I wonder what that journey has looked like for you as a husband and a man who loves Christ to spend that time and give that attention intentionally to Vicki throughout the years. Yeah. We've uh well we've grown in that too. We've gone from where, like I said, I wasn't paying much to where I'm actually asking her about her spiritual life and how how she's doing that. You know, yeah, in particular in one area or another. You know, she'll yeah. tell me about work and I'd be like, well, you know, she's having some problem maybe with somebody she does home health care. Yeah, and maybe somebody's you know hassling or something with the older people. You know, sure. And I was telling her, you know, you know, you still got to be Christ to them. You know, yeah, and uh, reach out to them. And so we talk a lot more spiritually than we ever used to. Yeah. Well. And spend more time together, like in um, just talking about, you know, what God's doing in the church, what's God's doing in our life and our kids' lives. It probably looks different for you guys, too, now with your kids being older and being empty nesters. Like, for me, there's Courtney and I through the years, and especially with having kids, like now when we put the kids down, there's a couple hours there. Courtney normally drinks like a glass of hot green tea at night. And if I stay up with her, I like going to bed early, getting up early. But if I stay up with her while she drinks that tea, whether we're watching a show or having a conversation, that to her is is, is meaningful designated time. Yeah. So I'm always shooting for that glass of green tea. You know? <laughs> so uh, do you drink a t- glass of tea with her? No, I mean I do sometimes yeah. a little bit, but not really. I'm yeah. usually trying to snack on something. So <laughs> the charcuterie board. <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. That's awesome, Alan. I'm curious, man. Like uh, you don't have to get into like like private details obviously but like what does a morning or an evening with your wife look like like when you come home and you guys have time together what are some things that you're physically doing at the house together just well normally when i leave i leave early in the morning i get up at four yeah and i leave at five but she uh she'll get up and make sure i'm okay see if i want to eat something which i yell never do but you know and then uh, when I get home, you know, we usually she'll cook and, you know, I'm sitting there and we'll just run over the day, yeah. watch world news, that kind of thing, you know, yeah. complain about the government. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we just kind of spend a little time watching TV or something too, if she wants. Yeah. And uh, then we just uh, kind of wind it down, you know, like, yeah. you know, pray yeah. a little bit and all that. We uh, don't pray together as much as we probably should, but... Yeah, we sh- we're trying to do that too. That's it's just a hard thing to, to break down those walls, man. It's been sixty years. Yeah, I'm man. Still trying, but it's know? on your mind, and you're aware of it, and you're yeah. and you're moving forward in that way. That's sanctification, man. That's yeah. the spirit of God alive inside of your hearts, working and moving. How yeah, how long have you known Vicky? Um, I've known her since I was uh, well, I was fifteen, I think, when I met her. Yeah, and how old so, are you now? Sixty-two. Wow. Yeah, 
So it's been a long time. <laughs> That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're coming up on 50 years. I know, yeah. It's crazy. Of, of, of knowing her. That's crazy. The yeah. volume, the, the amount at which you guys and your length of marriage stacks up statistically against the global average for marriage, not even just in the States, is astounding. And I would like to say, too, I just read recently in preparation for this, when you said that you guys met in church, a recent survey, nine out of the ten Basically, on average, nine out of ten couples that meet in church remain married the longest. The longest. That's so cool. The couples that don't remain the longest are those who have met on the internet. But <laughs> you know what I mean. But but there's still it's a new day and age, and I know many people who have successful marriages on all of that. But it's funny because you prove that you prove that statistic. It's really interesting. Absolutely, yeah, that's really cool. So we've talked about honor. Um, what are some things? Uh, the third. The third section of honors it's publicly with words privately with time and attention and then frequently with loving acts of kindness what are some things that you've noticed that vicky receives i know we've heard a little bit about this already but that she receives well that you have to put time and attention to to show her love and to and to show her kindness let's hear it alan spit that game yeah. well, what do you likes, do to woo vicky man yeah. let's hear it she, she likes certain things like in the house a certain way so i'll try to keep that up yeah for you. And like um she wanted an island in the kitchen so i put an island in the kitchen you built it yeah nice does man. she have access to the internet and to pinterest um, probably yeah. I would do you, do you have do you pictures. have scissors? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why is that? going to make. Yeah, no, I mean, cut the cable, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all you do, right? Yeah. yeah, Pinterest gives women way too many ideas, yeah, yeah, way yeah. too many ideas. So you do projects for her and stuff like that? That, and like, you know, I get her stuff that I know she likes from yeah. the grocery store. I'm you and Vicky got a song? Uh, like no, a song no. through all the years? No? no okay. So, no. Uh, some people do, Sorry, man. Good. Yeah, no, you're good. It's not John Williams, the, the Star Wars theme. From, <laughs> That'd be awesome. We were talking yeah. about your your love for the original Star Wars before the podcast started, before we started recording. Is she, does she share that love no, as well? No, she does not <laughs> share the love of Star Wars. <laughs> She's a Hallmark girl. It's, it's, if I can ever get it off Hallmark, I'll be uh, great. That's funny. That's super great. So, so we've talked about spending time with your wife, studying your wife, and honoring your wife, both publicly, privately, and frequently. The fourth point that we got to was to protect your wife. Life. And that's also found in verse. And all of this is coming from that one verse, which is super condensed and super awesome. But it says to protect your wife as the weaker vessel. Jason, can we talk about how women are both mentally and physically? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Unpack that. Unpack the weaker vessel. And yeah. then I want to talk about, Alan, how you have gone through your life and maybe physically, emotionally, spiritually protected and upheld Vicky through seasons of life. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons um, we read scripture very poorly. And so people will pull out of context the weaker vessel and literally the following verse or the rest of the verse, Peter says, since, because, for, they are heirs with you in the grace of life. Mm. And so, obviously, he's not meaning value because he says they're equal with you in the kingdom of God. Yeah. So what's Peter talking about? It's not as clear. Most scholars are saying that he's generally referencing. And I said Sunday, this is crazy that this is a provocative sentence to say. Peter's probably referencing that men in general are physically stronger than women. But the reality, what he's saying is, is because they are so valuable, and I threw up a picture of like fragile or handle with care, because they are valuable, handle with care. So think about it this way. Think about men as like a cast iron drum, and then think about a woman as like an ivory vase. Yeah. 
you're going to handle those two things differently. Right. That's what Peter's referencing when he says, as the weaker vessel in light yeah. of that. Now that's super cool. Well, uh, can Vicky throw down? Like, can she... Can she beat you in an arm wrestling match? No. <laughs> she did not do that. <laughs> okay. So what is it? So I want to hear about through through the seasons and journeys. Of, I mean, you guys have been through a lot, man. You guys yeah. have been through a lot. What are ways that you have protected her physically, emotionally? I mean, was there a guy who like encroached upon her and you had to stand up and put your nose? Yeah. Or like, tell us about how you've protected Vicky in those areas through your seasons of life together. Well, mostly she's always been a, a pretty strong girl, yeah. but, um, like, I mean, as, as when she was younger, you know, I mean, it wasn't really a thing cause she could take care of herself. Okay. Yeah. She could handle guys or whatever was the problem was. But, uh, as she got older, she had the aneurysm. I mean, she was needed real care. I mean, you yeah, had to shower, yeah. you know, I mean, she couldn't shower in the shelf wow. or yeah. she couldn't wash her hair or anything. You yeah. know? And, um, so that was kind of crazy doing, um, you know, having to totally care for her until she got better, which wow. it took about a month. You know? yeah. yeah. And then she was finally able to, you know, do some stuff herself. That's so beautiful, Amen. Alan. That's, man, that is, if love, if it, so um, our kids have been learning the definition of love through the month of February. We said love is you before me. And for you to do that is the definition of a loving sacrifice. Like yeah. the, that is romance. That's not what the world says romance is and a Nicholas Sparks this side or the other, but you taking care of your wife because she had a brain aneurysm yeah. is commendable, man. Yeah. That's that's incredible. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's reality. And then she also broke her arm one time where she's uh, now she's like really afraid of walking on ice. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes. she calls me from the church. I'll walk out and get her. And Absolutely, her in, you know? man. But, uh, yes. you know, things like that where you watch off your wife and make sure she's not getting hurt by what's around her or taking care of her. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's not all... Uh, Berries and for sure, that, you know, like you said, for sure. That's so great, man. Well, one of the ways that 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 protection shows itself is that God's given you this strength as as a man, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, and even even financially, to serve your wife. Have you viewer, have you viewed service? Like, basically, what I want to ask is like, have have you gone through the journey of like the begrudging obedience to the Lord to take care of your wife, and then transition into like, oh, I'm actually serving Vicky, like. Have, have you ever viewed it one way or the other? Or has it always been one of those ways? No, I'm sure it went from like begrudging at first just because it's, uh, it's another demand on your time mm, when you're yeah. trying to s- provide for the family, you're working too much, and yeah. you know, I'm doing two jobs, and then i got to come home and take care of this too, you know, kind of thing. But yeah. as I've gotten older, I mean, I realize, you know, it's you really need to serve your, your wife if you want a happy family anyhow, and you want, you know, uh, to honor the Lord. Yeah, it's good. yeah. absolutely. Well, in the last part of the verse here, it says, so that, so all all that we've read, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, all the way to this, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And the fifth point that we said of a mark of a godly husband is to pray with your wife, mm-hmm. is to pray with your wife. And I would go... Uh, a step further and, and to also say as you're praying with her to pray for your wife to pray for her whether you're with her or whether you are apart from her in a moment and I know that I know that you're a man who who is passionate about prayer that you love prayer and there are even some things in the works that are stirring right now in the church that are in regards to prayer that come from an influence of you which I love and so I want to know what what is the journey of prayer looked like I know you mentioned a little bit like like, oh, maybe we shouldn't pray together as much as we should or whatever, and then now your focus is on that. But from the moment you guys got married all the way to now, could you give us like a map or a chart of what that prayer life looked like 
with you as the initiator? Well, originally, I think uh, in our from the time I've actually surrendered to the Lord, I mean, our prayer life has been better, you know? Yeah. But before when I was kind of half-hearted about it, I mean, we weren't praying together at all. I wasn't really making any effort at all because I, I felt like it was too intimate. And to isn't it up. interesting? Mm. Isn't it, I mean, isn't it so interesting that for a man, and I said this Sunday, that we'll climb a deer stand or we'll drive or we'll, do, you know, we'll spend 12 hours working on something or you know, the sinful side is a one night stand or this, that, and the other. And none of those things are as intimate to us as being laid bare before your wife in yeah. prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can't fake that, right? So yeah. like when you grab her hand or when you kneel together, you're as intimate as you've ever been in light of that. What's one thing you would say to a guy, because you struggled with this, you were like, man, I, I should have initiated, I didn't, this, that, and the other. What's one thing you would say to a guy that's struggling to pray with his wife or who yeah. has never prayed with his wife? What yeah. would you say to him? I think the main thing is you you got to start somewhere. Yep. So Amen. I was talking to Kayla Bates last night, we were talking about that, and she said she was just going to go ahead and start texting a prayer to Nick Yeah. and have Nick pray for her on a text just i mean just Dude, start somewhere you know let's yeah. go and uh i love I think it. that was a great idea you learn to pray by praying yeah yeah and if you <laughs> yeah. if you're too nervous being close together you start where you can yeah uh, man i i think that's yeah. some good advice i think that's a real practical way not to over spiritualize this not yeah. to make it too difficult start somewhere yeah. it's beautiful absolutely i one of the things that I, i've been thinking about is oh my goodness the thought just left me Tell a joke while I th- while I think of this thought. Yeah. Um, How has um, if you would say now? Oh, I got it. Initiating those things um, is it like a part of your routine now? Because so what happens in the beginning is you feel crushed by the responsibility to initiate, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of fumble the ball, and you're like, I'm I'm trying to do this. Uh, do you guys have a routine now? Is it like before bed, in the morning, anything like that that not, helps you with that? No, not so much. We just do like um, like. Well, all of a sudden something will happen and we're talking about somebody and we just pray for them right then great. together. Yeah. You know? awesome. it, but it's like spur of the moment stuff. It's not That's great. That's know. great. I remember my question. Yep. I, uh, uh, so in a moment that you've, that, you, that you've grabbed your wife's hand or whatever it looks like physically when you guys pray together, what is something that you, so we've talked about Kairos moments in the past. Kairos is like the time is now, like the appointed time, God's appointed timing in the midst of time. So a kairos is just noticing what God's doing in your life in that moment. It could be an emotion or a thought or a feeling or something like that. What is like a kairos or a thought or an emotion that you've had that you've noticed when you've prayed with your wife? Like what's something you notice when you pray with her? I Well, I mean, I'm, she's a lot more uh, just down to your spiritual, I guess spiritual in a sense. I think she's ahead of me, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. Sure. I mean, I think I might grasp the Bible a little bit better in some areas than she does, but she can pray like, yeah, like nobody's business, you know? Yeah, it's good. And I mean, she's she'll go right into it, and she's really good. I mean, she... So probably humility. Yeah, she's... Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah, man. It's a humbling thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah that's Absolutely. good. That's really, really good. Well, well, we closed up with an application of husbands, your love for God above you is measured by your love towards your wife who's beside you. And I wonder when you hear that, what is stirred within you and how can you move forward and address that? And what, like, what are maybe some practical ways that, that you can implement that in your marriage with Vicki? 
I'm sorry. You're going to have to say that one more time. (laughs) Husbands, love your wife. I'm sorry. Husbands, your love for God above you is measured by your love for your wife beside you. When you hear that, what do you feel? Well, originally, I mean, initially I'd feel like I got to do better because, uh, you know, I should love my wife, you know, just a little bit less than I love the Lord, you know. But, uh, yeah, I never feel like, you know, uh, I never feel like I love the Lord enough that I'm doing everything perfect anyhow. So I guess, you know, it's the same with my wife. But I I would like to, you know, like everybody, I guess, would like to do better in that sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I hear that, it holds me accountable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't float off into theology book land and say, I'm thinking about the deep things of God when I'm arguing with my wife. Right. Yeah. You know, that's that God has given her to me as a direct reference. So the relationship with my wife, how healthy or unhealthy that is, is a gauge for my relationship with the Lord. There's Mm. just, that's how it's been in my entire life. I mean, since Courtney and I have been married, my relationship with Courtney if it's on the rocks or if we're in a season, I'm not praying. I'm not reading my Bible. I mean, those things are just parallel together for sure. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I got one last question for you, man. If you could encourage young husbands listening to this right now, what would you say? Uh, um, as far as like being a better husband, I would tell them to, uh, to first not buy into the world, what the world's trying to sell us as far as uh, how a man should walk or Amen. how a man should live. And um, just to get serious about serving the Lord and serving uh, serving their family and their wife, you know. Yeah. But you can't you can't laugh at the world sin as the world's sinning and laugh at it and, and expect to be a man of God that's going to be able to lead his family and all mm. that. It just you got to finally get serious and get going. Yeah. It's good. It's good, man. Man, that's awesome, Alan. You've been married for a long time, bro. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. What like what's a doesn't have to be your most favorite memory, but what's your what's something that comes to mind? A, a great memory from your decades of marriage. Oh, there's a lot. My son was born. That was an amazing time. Yeah, know? man. And uh, and I mean, really, all my kids, but my son being the first one was an amazing memory. You know? Yeah, it's really cool. That was big. That's really really awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming and sharing. It's good stuff. Thanks for coming fun. and sharing your story and your heart and your life, Vicky. Thanks for letting us ha- let let <laughs> let us have Alan for a little bit of time here. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter five to close us out, and then we can kind of give you some updates on what's coming up. Ephesians five twenty five. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Amen and amen. Mm. Alan, thanks again for coming, man. We really, really appreciate it. Jason, what we got coming up, man? Uh, We got a few things coming up. I got a few resources for the listeners. When it particularly comes to the issue of manhood and husbands, there's two resources we'll post in the show notes. The first one is a book called The Boy Crisis. This book is bonkers. If if you want to learn about like the history of manhood in the West and why there is a problem, we started out in the sermon and I talked about what the most endangered species in the world was. And then I said, I actually think it's godly men are the most endangered species. This book is written by two clinical doctors and a clinical psychologist. And it is... 
I, it's very hard for me to describe how it's impacted the way I view. It's biological. It's the food we eat. It's all of that stuff. So the boy crisis is an incredible resource. The second one is called The Five Marks of a Man, Finding Your Path to Courageous Manhood. I would venture to say right now, if I asked a majority of men, eight out of ten of them could not define in a succinct sentence what a biblical man is. You know, if I were to say, give me a biblical definition of what a man is, most of the time men can't do that. This book is great. It, It would be a great resource to read devotionally in the morning, maybe do a chapter in the morning before you go to work or something like that. The Five Marks of a Man um, is an incredible resource. We're ending uh, the New Year New Family this Sunday, and we're doing parenting, which is going to be cool. And then <laughs> we start a brand new sermon series entitled Memento mm, More. What does that mean? Life, death, and the afterlife. Memento More is a Latin phrase that means remember you're going to die. Wow. <laughs> and so we are, doing, we are doing this series to lead us up to Easter, which is the defeat of death, but it's really interesting, man. Just in a snapshot, the Bible mentions death every nine chapters. Wow. And so most of us um, grow up in church and never hear about it practically what the Bible teaches. But the reality is, is for us as Christians, death um, is a doorway. Mm. It's not the finality for us. And so, yeah, anyway, really, really excited about this, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Alan, thanks again. Thanks again for coming. If you guys want to hear this podcast, listen to it on any platform you listen to podcasts. You can worship with us in person at Westside on Sundays at 10 a.m. And you can catch our live stream on Facebook Live as well on Sundays at 10 a.m. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for joining us. Questions at info at westsidepb.org. And that's it for us. So may everything we say and do, as always, be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you guys. Blessings. We'll see you next time. Amen.